You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. I love that sound. I'll say it every time. Every time it is like the burden of calling you all away from such sweet and joyous times of connecting, but it's a good call. (laughs) We're going to look at God's Word together this morning. My name is Ben. Uh, I'm one of the pastors of Eastside Church, and uh, we've been incubating here at the Vine for about a year, and just starting in May, began meeting every other week with you and every other week in um, what we call neighborhood churches. Uh, And so we are preparing Lord willing, um, in a few short weeks, um, that you, Vine family, will send us out to plant Eastside Church. Michael and I are so grateful um, just for all that you have done to display Christ for us, to show us what it looks like to believe the gospel, to live in community, and to be on mission. And so just we're savoring these last moments that we have with you. And so, so glad to be together this morning. And so we've been um, going through the Sermon on the Mount. And I don't know if you're aware of this, but we've been doing this for six months. This is the longest sermon ever. Um, Six months, February, we started preaching through Matthew, the Sermon on the Mount. And this summer, um, we've enjoyed at Eastside going through every other week in our neighborhood churches. We're following along. So we're staying in step in series with you all here at the Vine. And it... We started with Jesus kind of like blasting off into the stratosphere, right? He's outlaying the kingdom. He's taking us to this huge view of what it looks like to be uh, living for God. And then we've kind of slowly been coming back down to earth. And things that seem just shapes on the ground are starting to take form. And we're starting to see buildings and houses and maybe even cars and trees. And, oh, that's a lake. And, okay, there's a forest over here. And I don't know about you... But I think over these last few weeks, we've started to feel the effects of gravity just a little bit more. Jesus is getting more, um, not sincere, but more uh, urgent in his message. He's bringing it closer to home. He's seeking to land it more on our hearts. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 through 20. And we're in this section where Jesus is really starting to drive home what it looks like to follow him, what it looks like to live for God. Less abstract, much more concrete. And he's getting shorter. There's less material. He's not spending as much time kind of fleshing out all of his ideas and helping us to connect things. He's going to draw to a conclusion in just a few verses. And so this morning, let's listen to Jesus because we need to hear what he has to say if we're going to follow the right road that he's calling us to. And if we're going to be able to find and follow the right guides as he leads us. And so would you turn in your Bibles or flip open your favorite app and turn to Matthew 7, 13 through 20. And I'll read this for us and then pray and we'll get started. This is Jesus' words. Let's hear him. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. 
Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Would you pray with me? Well, Jesus, we come to you this morning again and ask, would you make clear your word? Would you make clear what you're teaching us? We have the sense right off the bat that this is a serious matter. And so would you help us to understand and help us to take from this what we need today in order to either turn to you for the first time or to continue to live for you, glorifying God, the right relationship with him and with others. So would you help us this morning, Spirit, to see Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jesus is all about that kingdom life, living for God as we're made to. But I think it's important for us to remind ourselves again that the audience that Jesus is talking to actually isn't living in that reality. We're, we're benefiting from something based on where we land in salvation history. But this first audience is not a bunch of Christians that Jesus is encouraging how to just keep going, just keep living. No, he's calling them in. Look how he starts. Enter by the narrow gate. So we're going to benefit from this teaching, but I think it's important for us to frame. Jesus is talking about how you get in, how you start. It's going to help us because we need to anchor it in something else uh, in this sermon a little later on. And so we're going to need to hear Jesus to find out how do we find the right road of following him, of living for God, and how do we follow the right guides. Because what Jesus is saying here is that finding the right road and following the right guides is the difference between life and death. And so how do we find the right road? We'll take that one first. Well, as he's done throughout the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus again brings us a teaching by contrasting two different things. Look again at verses 13 and 14 that I just read. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide, and the way or the road is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way or the road is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. There's a narrow way. There's a wide way. The narrow road is hard, but it leads to life. The wide road is easy, but it leads to destruction, death. These two roads have a common thread. They were built... For the, for the numbers of people and the capacity that they would need. The wide road is going to have a lot of people. It's easy to find. Well lit. The narrow road is smaller. It's hidden away. It's easily missable. But it's the only way. There's a, a state park not far from here. And I, I'm amazed actually, Vine family, when I talk with you and, and you, how many, very few of you have found Devil's Lake. It's, it's just, I think it rises to like pastoral concern level um, because it's just unlike anything else in this part of the state. And so perhaps today you can go there, just get on, 
Highway 12 and follow it all the way to Baraboo. It's about an hour. But I grew up in the Baraboo area and just grew up going to Devil's Lake and, and loved the scene. I just never get tired of coming in, driving down to the North Shore. You're kind of weaving down the bluff through the forest. And then you come out and it opens up and there's this huge lake made by a crater. And so you've got big bluffs that rise up on either side. And there's a North Beach and a South Beach. And there's paths that run all through the property. And on the west side, from north to south, from south to north, is the Tumbled Rocks Trail. It is very easy to find. The main path that runs along the lake shore just runs right into it. Same on the other side. And it's, it's fairly easy. My two-year-old daughter can navigate most of it by herself. Just kind of weaves its way through. It's paved. You can easily pass one another as you're walking down the road. There's another trail on the east, southeast side. It's kind of hidden away. It connects actually two of the main trails, but you'll miss it if you're not looking for it. If you don't know the area well, it's called the Potholes Trail. And the Potholes Trail is not like the Tumbled Rocks Trail. The Potholes Trail is a vertical ascent of one-third of a mile. And you're going up, weaving back and forth these stairs that are hewn out of the rock all the way to the top. But when you get to the top, the view surpasses any view along the Tumbled Rocks Trail by miles. Because you can literally see all of Devil's Lake and all of the rest of the county falling away in front of you. But you can't get to that view from the Tumbled Rocks Trail. It doesn't offer the same kind of destination. This is what Jesus is telling us this morning. Jesus is calling us away from the road that leads to destruction that's easy, that's inviting. And he's actually calling us to enter the road that leads to life. But what does the way of destruction look like? How can we be sure we're not on it? How can we find the right trail? Where's the gate located to enter the narrow way? Are we on it forever once we find it? Or can we somehow lose track and wander back onto the wide road? Jesus doesn't explicitly answer all these questions right here, but he's not left us without them. If we look at these verses and we use the rest of the Sermon on the Mount as a backdrop, we're going to find out exactly the answers to the things that Jesus is telling us here. All that Jesus has been teaching us is the narrow road that he's calling us to walk. It looks like this. We're supposed to be people poor in spirit who mourn the meekness and hunger and thirst for righteousness. People who are merciful, pure in heart, making peace, getting persecuted for righteousness' sake. We're supposed to be salt and light who fear God more than other people, but who don't get angry or lust after others or break promises to one another. We're supposed to not retaliate. We must love our enemies, be generous, Be people of prayerful dependence on God who regularly give up physical sustenance as a reminder of how much we actually need God. We're supposed to keep our eyes on heaven and trust God with everything here on earth as we lovingly, humbly correct one another and seek to only do for others what we would want to be done for ourselves. The long and the short is that we're called to live for God first, others second, ourselves last. This is the narrow way. This is what Jesus is calling us to. This is the path that leads to life. 
But the difficulty of the road is kind of starting to dawn on us. I think it was also starting to have an effect on Jesus' first audience. The kingdom is inviting. The kingdom offers many benefits. Right? Jesus is helping them live in better relationship with God whom they loved and wanted to live for. Maybe on their own terms, but there was a desire there. Jesus is giving us a hard teaching because the reality is that he is saying there's one road. There's no other road. You're either on the right one or the wrong one. And that's hard. It's offensive, isn't it? We don't like having limits put on us. For years, I was on an unlimited data plan. I got one of the first. I'm an early adopter by nature. And so I spent like $750 on a 24-inch flat screen TV in 2007, which is hilarious because you can buy a TV the size of this wall for that now. But I had an unlimited data plan. When AT&T first came out, bought it. I don't want limits. You couldn't do anything with smartphones back then. There was barely any video streaming. Data speeds weren't fast enough. But I had no limits, and I liked it that way. Well, I'm now currently, as we raise support to go Eastside Church, I'm on a limited data plan. And I don't like it. I have to watch the amount of data that I... Now, we have plenty of data. But I have, to, I have to think about it. And I don't like that. We don't like limits. We want to be able to do whatever. We want to be able to drive around with Google Maps on all the time. Never download any music to our phone. We just stream it 24-7. I leave it on sometimes when I had unlimited data. Just let Spotify run all night. Maybe Jesus will come back faster. <laughs> but limits are good in the kingdom of heaven. In the kingdom of heaven, the right limit set by our good king is the road to life. And that's what Jesus is saying. The unlimited life is the way of destruction. It's the way to death. And that's the one that we naturally find. And as I was working through this, a question is growing in my mind that I wanted to ask Jesus. And I think you might have the same question, or at least I want to lead us here. Jesus, how do we enter? You just say enter. Like, like we're standing in front of the door, like we already know. And we do already know. He told us. In fact, it's the first thing that he mentioned in the Sermon on the Mount. Do you remember? This is Matthew 5, 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. See, only people who rightly see themselves in light of who God is can enter the narrow, difficult road that leads to life. We don't drift onto the road. That never happens. The tumbled rocks trail does not magically transform into the potholes trail. I've walked it a lot of times. Jesus is clear that the roads are going in two very different directions. And so, which way are you walking? What road are you on? Are you seeking to live the limited but good life provided for you in Christ? Or are you seeking an unlimited existence? And I think more importantly, what is stopping you? What's in your way? Why are you unwilling to take the hard road? What are you holding on to? What is God lovingly right now? I've been praying for you this morning, this week. What is God right now putting on your heart? 
that you need to give up. The good news is that you can lay it down. You can remember that you bring nothing to the table. You are poor in spirit. Humbling ourselves and believing the gospel is not just the gate that we enter by, but in God's grace, it's also the way that we stay on the road. The same humility that allows us to acknowledge our need for God and begin walking with Jesus also keeps us walking with Jesus. It's why it's the first pillar. The gospel is the main thing. Because in recognizing God's glory, Jesus' perfection, we also see our need for him. It's the only way to truly see how actually limited we are. But the road is dangerous. It's not just our own hearts that we have to watch for. There are actually false guides on the road looking to pull us off of the right path back to the wide road that leads to destruction. And so we've heard from Jesus that we need to be on the right road. And now we need to hear how he's telling us to follow the right guides. And so let's look at verses 15 through 20. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. This is a strong warning. And he's not warning that false guides might come. Actually, Jesus is telling his followers they will come. In the early church, many of whom are sitting in this original audience listening to Jesus felt the effects almost immediately. Read through the book of Acts. We did it as a team for Eastside Church last fall. We just read through it all one sitting. And I know there's pockets of people here at the Vine who do that, have that practice. Acts is a great book. You get this great overview of just the church and how it's starting. And you see this struggle happen. You see people bringing in a different word. And then all through the New Testament, we see letters written to churches urging them to stick with the original message of Jesus. Stay on the narrow road. And the problem with these false guides, though, is that they tend to blend in. They're not coming at us with obvious opposition. They're seeking to intentionally subvert from the inside out. We don't like to think about this. It's uncomfortable, right? It's uncomfortable. But Jesus is saying it's a reality. These people dress in the right clothes. They say all the right words. But secretly, their desire is not to build us up in Christ, but to disrupt the truth of Jesus. To lead people away from following him down the narrow and difficult way and out onto the wide way that leads to destruction. The image of a wolf in sheep's clothing is so perfect. Jesus is so smart, isn't he? It shows the intent from, begin, from the beginning is to deceive. A wolf who puts himself in sheep's clothing is looking for only one thing, a sheep's neck. There's no other motive. He wants to feed on a defenseless prey who has just simple sensibilities of someone who's seeking to follow the shepherd who's leading them. 
And I pray that none of us ever run into these false guides. But because of Jesus' warning, we need to be on guard. There's a clear disparity between wolf and sheep, predator and prey. But Jesus hasn't left us defenseless against them. He's given us a guide, and it's in these verses, 17 through 20. He talks about how healthy trees bear healthy fruit. And bad trees only bear bad fruit. Jesus was God's agent of creation. He hardwired this process into everything. I actually really love thinking from time to time about the fact that Jesus created sheep like he invented them. And is it kind of amazing? At least it is to me. Maybe this just shows how simple my brain is. I'm, I'm wowed by these things. But like Jesus invented sheep knowing that at some point in time he was going to enter the narrative and use them as like the largest analogy possible for people. And then he's there doing it in that moment. Like I just like to think about like the, the mind loop that he's able to go on. Of like this is exactly what I was planning. That's, a, that's an aside. That's why I went over there. But I just like, like God, God is so smart. Like he's, he's drawing on something he built. Like he's not just using available things. Like Jesus hardwired the world to work a certain way. If a tree is healthy, it bears good fruit. And if it's diseased, it can't. Not like it might not, but it can't. And so he's given us signs to look for. And so a strawberry bush doesn't ever grow blueberries. A maple will never drop acorns. A tree has to bear fruit according to its kind. So we've got to look at the fruit. And so we're supposed to watch the life of our teachers. It's a little scary to tell you. Watch my life. Watch Michael's life. Watch Zach's life. Watch James. Watch David. Watch all of us. Watch John. It's how we're to function as a group. Because sheep are herd animals. It's another thing. Just think. It's very intentional on Jesus' part here. They stick together because they can't do anything by themselves. And so those who claim to be pointing us to God, we have to see what fruit they're bearing. And you'll know in time if you're close enough and if you know what you're looking for. You see, sheep follow one another. Have you ever seen sheep just like moving together in an open pasture? Like when the dogs are hurting them, and the reason we use dogs is because they're kind of like wolves. That's, that's why. So that they'll move the sheep. Because sheep don't like wolves. Because they know that they're dangerous. And the sheep move together. Trusting the sheep in front of the other one. So that all the way up through the herd, they're banking on the lead sheep. Keeping their eyes on where they're going. And when they're moving together, that's the shepherd. Right? The lead sheep looks to the shepherd and all the other sheep follow along. But what about our wolf? He's not interested in following the shepherd. He wants to lead sheep astray. So that he can ravage them for his next meal. Following him without looking closely to see where the full wool doesn't quite cover his long legs. Or where it droops off of his skinnier body could prove to be a deadly mistake. Jesus is asking us to engage all of our senses as we walk this right road. This narrow road. He's telling us to pay attention to who claims to know the way. Make no mistake, when false guides come, the first thing that they will do is try to blur the line. They'll try to blur the line between the wide road and the narrow road, and they'll be convincing. See, we can't afford to be spiritually blind, deaf, or lack a keen sense of smell. But beyond that, we have to train these senses to look for, to see, and to smell the right fruit. 
Yesterday, we went with some friends to Schluter Beach in Monona on the east side. And we were there sitting on the sand, enjoying the morning. I like that place because there's a big tree that casts a shadow. And my lack of hair appreciates lack of sun, um, even though I enjoy being with people. And so we got time to lunch, and we went over, and my friend Krista pulled out this big watermelon, and she began slicing it up. And I knew immediately that this was going to be a good watermelon. And I knew that because I've had a lot of watermelon. And I started to, first of all, see it was really green. And then I saw inside it was a deep, reddy pink, pinky red. And then I could smell the juice. And the amount of juice that began to run on the cutting board as she was cutting it told me this is going to be a good experience. And I'm very excited for it. And it was very tasty. See, I've had good watermelons. I've had great watermelons. I've had a few that probably shouldn't have been picked or maybe ever sliced. And only one time did I ever have a watermelon that looked good, but then we cut it open and it was rotten to the core. And I knew as soon as you put the knife into it, this is not the watermelon to eat. But the point is that I knew what I was getting into before I even took a bite because I could see it. And I could hear the knife go through the skin and I could smell the juices. I have familiarized myself with watermelon. But it was risky. I might have been deceived. I had to actually engage with the watermelon in order to see. But do you see, the, do you see my point? Like we're called to live life together. But there's a danger. Jesus is telling us to be careful. And the only way that we're going to be able to tell a false guide from the real thing is to study the real thing. Just like the lead sheep follow the shepherd, they know his voice. So your pastor should be following your shepherd, Jesus. He's the original guide for his people. And so you need to know him too. Because the lead shepherd changes, or the lead sheep changes. Not the lead shepherd, he doesn't ever change. But the lead sheep can change. Sometimes the herd shifts direction. Sometimes somebody gets hurt and needs to fall back and let others lead. And so we all have to be able to identify Jesus, our lead shepherd, as we're all on this life living it together. Because our only hope in life and in death is that we belong to him. He's the way to get on the right road. And it can only be done by listening to his teaching. And so we have this book. See, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. The darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus is the word of God and he speaks off of every page of this book. Instructing us how to live the narrow way. Instructing us what he's like so that when we face people who would lead us off of the narrow path onto the wide path, we know not to go with them. So by following, by knowing Jesus, we can follow him stay on the right road, keep our eyes on the right guide. And so as we wrap up this morning, there are two roads, which means that there are two groups of people in this room.
There are those who are traveling the narrow road. It leads to life. There are those who are traveling the wide road headed for destruction. And so for those of you traveling the road that leads to life, I don't know a lot about growing things. We're, our potted plants are struggling. But Jesus is a master gardener. He knows your frame. He remembers that you're dust. And even the smallest fruit, the smallest healthy fruit, is evidence that you belong to him. Keep leaning in. Keep going before him in, your, in his word. Keep coming around it with people in your life, understanding what it means. And he's going to grow your fruit. Some of you are not on the, the road that leads to life. You're pursuing yourself. And maybe you just wandered in here, and maybe as I've been talking this morning, you're like, there it is again. There it is, exclusive Christianity. I knew it. They say it's about love, and then it's a bait and switch. Well, it's not. Because Jesus wrote the whole story. And he makes the rules in his kingdom. And he's a good king. And he's saying this is the best way to live if you want to live. And so come to him this morning. And I think there's interplay between the two roads. I think for, for some of us, we're, we're on the road, we're on the narrow way, but there are voices speaking in. And we're tempted to listen to them. They promise an easier path, and we're hurting, we're struggling. The fruit's small. Year after year, the fruit is just small. We're just not sure if it's the right thing. You're tempted to not really speak the gospel. Maybe they'll see God in our actions. Oh, that would be so nice. But I didn't actually have to share with my neighbor that there's one way, and it's Jesus. These are the false teachings. The people who propagate them are trying to destroy the church. The truth is the Christian life is hard. The narrow road is not easy, but the good news is that today, if you're on the wide road, you can enter through the gate right now and find yourself on the narrow road. You can believe that what Jesus says, that he's the only way, the truth, and the life, you can believe that that is true. It's a hard reality, but it's a reality, and the consequences of choosing the wrong roads lead to destruction and death, and it doesn't have to be that way. If you've wandered off the right road, Jesus is calling you back. He's calling, and you can recognize his voice because you belong to him. Turn. Walk again the difficult road because he walks with you. He truly is yours forevermore. And that could be reality if you find yourself on the wide road or the narrow road struggling. And if you've been just experiencing seasons of just laden branches full of fruit, look around you. See where either thistles are growing or where fruit is lacking and come alongside and encourage and keep going because you 
are headed for life. And so good, this world that Jesus is calling us into is a hard entrance. It's a tough message, but he's with us the whole way. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we thank you that you're willing to speak the hardest words to us, to call us to the best things. That your love is a love that doesn't allow us just to stay in an unlimited existence that's harmful and dangerous for us, but that you lovingly limit us to the things that are best for what you made us for. So I pray that you'd help us to live for you. God, I pray that you would strengthen our resolve to walk this road even as we look to scatter this morning. Help us find the footholds. Hold us up if we stumble. Thank you for calling us back again and again. And that daily we can remind ourselves that you are good and we're following you. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen.